We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat, and we're talking about a Chicago Bulls team that has new life. Jason, when we did the last episode, the Bulls had just lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. It was their fourth straight defeat. The title of our episode is that the Bulls season is on life support. And since then, the Bulls got back Zach Levine, and they've rallied off three straight victories. They beat Charlotte 120-99. They earned a great home win over the Boston Celtics 121-99. And then last night on Sunday night, they defeat the Detroit Pistons on the road 108-96. So the big question here is how does that impact the Bulls' chances of making the play-in tournament? As it stands right now, the Bulls are the 11th seed. They're 29-39 and on the year. The Washington Wizards have passed the Indiana Pacers for the nine seeds. The Pacers now sit in 10th. This is important in a sense because the Bulls do own the tiebreaker over the Pacers, if that factors in. Of course, the Bulls also own the tiebreaker over the Wizards and the Hornets, so maybe that's not too meaningful. Uh, the Bulls actually also own it over the Raptors, who are currently the 12 seeds. So and they're tanking. They're dead. <laughs> in for sure. But if the Bulls can get into a position here over the final, uh, what is it, five games four. of the season, four games of the season, uh, I mean, it's going to be difficult to get there, obviously. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this episode, Indiana will have already played Cleveland. Indiana's got five games left. They've got Cleveland, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Lakers, Raptors. Uh, so it could be an interesting end-of-season stretch for them, but uh, despite the fact that the Bulls have the plan, it's still going to be an uphill battle uh, for them to actually make it, even though they have the tiebreaker, I'm sorry. So, uh, Jason, how are you feeling about the team right now? And at least they're they're not going down without a fight, if nothing else. Yeah, I said that after the game yesterday, which, I mean, the game yesterday was a joke. The Pistons tanking hard, missing basically all their good players. Uh, it was basically Killian, the Killian Hayes show for the Pistons yesterday, and like Isaiah Stewart. Uh, the Bulls basically dominated the game from the beginning. No sweat. The Hornets game was similar. 
Uh, like so, like I don't even say like those win. Those ones are those are games you expected to win. I was very curious to see what was going to happen in that Boston game. Second of a back to back, the Celtics are not playing well either, uh, and the Bulls kicked their ass. Which obviously, if you know us, like you know that we very much enjoy beating the Celtics. Uh, and I was a little tipsy talking some shit on Twitter on Friday night, and I was uh, just kind of fun because I mean at this point the Bulls still it is still a long road ahead. And I guess not long road, but still long way back, I guess, to make this play in. Uh, because the Bulls, they have to face the Nets twice. Uh, they might be getting James Harden back in that game on Saturday. They've got to play the Bucks. Who I guess we'll see if the Bucks on Sunday in that last game of the regular season will be playing for anything. The, the Bucks and Nets are currently like in a dogfight for the two seed. Uh, so maybe they will. Maybe those teams will be playing for something. If they are, that's uh, if the Bulls actually win those games. Like you figure the Bulls probably have to go 5-0 or 4-0 or 3-1 and here and then hope for help. Uh, to still get in this plan. But I guess even just that aside, yeah, like at least they're not, they didn't like lose to the Hornets or like somehow lose to the to the Pistons last night. Like a, after the big Celtics win with the Nets game coming up, like you, you could worry about a letdown. There was zero letdown. They Like again, they dominated from the very start. Vucevic and Zach both had huge games. Zach had 30, a bunch of dunks. Vucevic had, I think, 29 and 15 or 29 and 16. Uh, those two have been really just fine in the groove here the last couple games. Kobe White's been shooting well. Kobe White kind of doing the same thing he did last year when he started like catching fire all of a sudden at the very end of the regular season. Uh, I don't want I don't want to take like too much from these games because then the Hornets very injured, kind of struggling as well right now. Pistons very injured, clearly tanking, playing all their young guys. The Celtics were, had most of it. The Celtics did not have Jalen Brown, did not have Robert Williams. Two big losses from the starting lineup. And Jason Tatum had another just bizarrely awful game. I think he was like 3 of 15, like a minus 22. Just two games in a row, and these two Bulls wins over the Celtics the last like month or so. Tatum's had like two of his worst games of the year, so super weird. So like, it, I mean, at this point in the season in general, like with, with this weird schedule, like it's so hard to like take up, take too much from these games just because the schedule's weird. All these teams, some of these teams aren't trying. Some of these teams are missing key guys in the Bulls. Relatively healthy. They, they didn't have Daniel Tice against the Pistons. Troy Brown Jr. has been been out, but like the starting lineup with Zach, Kobe, and Vooch has been very good, uh, and that's at least nice to see Kobe and uh, Vooch, or, or as I guess those three in general, but especially Zach and Vooch playing really well together because they did, really did not play very well when uh, after the trade. We we talked about ad nauseum with like, Zach's injury and then Zach having COVID. He just was not playing nearly at the same level, and he's looked a bit better. He's the ankle's probably feeling a lot better. He doesn't seem to have any ill effects from COVID. Vooch has just been steady like the entire time since the trade. So they looked really good, and obviously the defense has been good too. I don't really know how much of that is the Bulls' defense being great or just these teams just fucking ass. But, like, again, like you said, it comes back to it. At least they're not going down without a fight, and at least the Nets game tomorrow will be super interesting at least. I mean, maybe the Nets come out and just beat their ass, and, like, that's basically it, especially if the Pacers, as you mentioned, they play the Cavs tonight. Like, if the Pacers do win the night and the Bulls lose tomorrow, I mean, that's basically a wrap. It's not to- not set in stone, but, like, it'd be pretty damn close. But at least there is something to play for against the Nets on Tuesday. For sure. And we got the play-in tournament, I think, starting on the 18th. So the playoffs are right around the corner. The the actual playoffs themselves begin on the 22nd. Uh, Postseason is here in the NBA. Uh, It's likely the Bulls won't be in the play-in tournament, but there is still a chance. Uh, Let's go Cavs. That's the first thing I'll say tonight. Need the Cavs to come up with a big W over the Pacers. And there's so much drama around the Pacers with their coach lately that I'm hoping the team just, like, wants to get this season over with. They kind of just quit on the coach. Uh, there's rumors he's going to get replaced. So, 
Yeah, I thought, I thought they were. Yeah, I was gonna say there was at one point I thought they might not win another game. They they had a huge win over the Hawks. I think that was an overtime game a couple of days ago, and then they they played the Wizards and went to overtime. They only lost that one by one. The, the Wizards situation is interesting now. Is Bradley Beal's out at least the next two games against the right. Hawks? They do play the Cavs and the Hornets to finish the season. I would still guess even if Beal doesn't come back, the Wizards should get at least one of those which would give them the 33 wins, which means the Bulls would have to win out to match them. And as we said, they have the tiebreaker. So, again, and the Pacers are at 31 wins. So if the Pacers do win the night, that gets them to 32, uh, which basically would leave, again, leaves the Bulls with no margin for error. You mentioned the rest of the Pacers' schedule. Like, that last Pacers game is against the Raptors. Uh, that At that point, I'm guessing the Raptors will not be playing anybody, or maybe they will. I don't know. But, like, that's a game where you think the Pacers would win. So, like, Right now, it does seem like the Bulls will probably have to win out to, to match these teams, but you never know. Like maybe, like I said, we'll, uh, this pot will be up like right a, after the Pacers Cavs game, but maybe the Cavs will stun the Pacers tonight. Who knows? Like I said, they've like you said, they've been kind of uh, in shambles. I know. I think after that last game that they lost to the Wizards, like they talked about how the energy was great and they're they're coming together after like all these reports and all that. But you never know. I mean, they're not that they're not that good. They're missing a bunch of key guys as well. So uh, maybe maybe the Cavs shock the world. And if the Cavs do win. Uh, that game, uh, it really opens the door for the Bulls, especially if they can. They obviously have to win games themselves and w- beat some good teams, but uh, that would really give the Bulls a good chance because the Pacers have a tough schedule to close it out. For sure, but, you know, the Bulls got the Nets twice. The yeah, Bucks. right. <laughs> so the Bulls' schedule is tough, too. It's looked that way uh, from the very beginning of the season. But, you know, it's just been good to see Vooch and Levine sort of start to show you the vision of what the team could look like with them as the two pillars of the team. And Kobe's been really good, as you alluded to. Uh, you know, sort of the playmaking burden has gone to Zach and Vooch. Kobe in more of a spot-up shooter role. He is starting now, uh, but he's not playing point guard on the floor, really. He's mostly just in a catch-and-shoot role. His numbers have been better as a catch-and-shoot guy throughout the year. So, you know, Kobe gets himself into trouble, and he's had a disappointing second season, I think, in large part because they tried to make him the point guard. He clearly wasn't ready for that role. And, uh, you know, if this was supposed to be a season of evaluation, Jason, one thing we learned is that you can't go into next season with Kobe White as your point guard. I think part of the idea behind getting Vooch was sort of alleviating some of the playmaking burden from Levine, from Kobe. So far, that's looked really good. Uh, Vucevic, I checked his numbers, and according to Cleaning the Glass, he's been in the 90th percentile or above of assist rate for centers each of the last few years. So uh, that's one part of his game that has really impressed me coming over from the trade. I mentioned his shooting a few times on Twitter, too. The dude's been a knockdown shooter. I mean, he's been one of the best shooting centers in the league this year. Uh, it's He's performing far beyond where he's been over the last few years coming into this season. I don't think he's ever been above a 33% shooter on, like, maybe under three attempts per game before. And since he's come over to the Bulls, he's taking five and a half attempts per game, and he's hitting, like, 44%. So he's been just a dynamite shooter. He looks rock solid. I said on Twitter that the Bulls really couldn't have reasonably asked for anything more yeah. out of Vooch since the trade deadline. Uh, the reason the team hasn't been good is because Levine just hasn't been the same player and he wasn't available uh, that he was in the first half. You know what I mean? So yeah. this trade, I feel like we're going to continue relitigating the Vucevic trade for eternity. But of course. <laughs> uh, at least for right now, Vucevic, if nothing else, he looks awesome. So yeah. that's good. Like, it's not like the Bulls... Traded two draft picks for someone who sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's legitimately good. So, 
Uh, that's something to watch. And Jason, before this episode, you asked the listeners for questions, and we have a lot of good questions. I could sort of sense a little bull's momentum in the air. People just wanted a small thing to get excited about. We got Justin Fields. We're excited about that. I'm excited about baseball still, even though the, the White, White Sox, Sox are really good. Injuries. Uh, the Luis Robert injury just kills me, though, on top of the Eloy injury. But that's okay. The division's bad. I think the White Sox should still win the division. Even with the dope manager as well. Big idiot. Big old idiot. Uh, manager. But uh, I just want a little optimism for the Bulls. And I think we got it in these last three games. Uh even with all the caveats you noted earlier. So. Yeah, I mean, our last, I was going to say, our last pod was, like, super depressing after that Sixers game. It was, like, no Zach, no Vooch, like, and they're playing these, I mean, playing bum lineups uh, and just boring games for the most part outside of, like, some brief stretches. And it was just horrible to watch, and it was miserable. Now they're at least, they've been fun. They're winning some games. Uh, I know, like, people, some people want the tank thing. And if you want to look at the tank thing, like, uh, I think the Kings... You don't acknowledge those people, do you? Right, like, just no. whatever. Like, they're going to get, like, if they don't make the play, they'll probably get, like, the eight or nine uh, in the lottery. And it's it's literally, like, a per- five percentage points, if that. Like, they're not... The Raptors will be worse. Uh, we'll see about, like, the Kings and Pelicans. If I, it, it'll be, like, eight or nine. Whatever. I just, like, don't... I just really don't care. Like, I'm happy that they have some something to play for here this last week that's not... Lottery balls, like five percentage points lottery. But as you mentioned, people did ask us questions, and we got a bunch of good ones. A lot of them naturally were about Kobe White, the point guard situation, which is obviously something we've talked about um, all season. So I guess this is going. We'll, pro- well, let's group these Kobe ones. We got like from Kyle McMahon, from Colin Marusic. Um, what were the other ones? I guess uh, we'll, we'll do these first here. So we say, everyone knew Kobe White is best as a spot-up shooter and off-ball guard. Why did it take so long for Donovan to put him in that position to succeed? Also, is he the sixth man next year if when Bulls get a true point guard in the summer? Collins was Kobe's had a great stretch of games and is figuring out how to play with Vucevic. Do you see where the Bulls could get better next year making other changes to the roster but keeping him as a starting point guard, or is he doomed to be traded or benched? Uh, let me see if there was any other Kobe, because I feel like there was. Those were two of the, two of the first ones we got. Uh, we got from Joe Peppers, who's the real Kobe White. So, yeah, I mean, basically just a bunch of Kobe White questions here. So we'll, we will start with these Kobe White questions. Right. Uh, so basically, so yeah, Ricky, I'll just toss it to you. Like, And you kind of said that the Bulls still need a point guard upgrade. Do you think there's any way he's still starting next year? Or well, I know we've asked this before, like, is he even on the roster next season? Like, yeah, so the one thing I want to just start, start this off with is that it's going to be tough for him to start because he's really bad defensively. And next to Vucevic and Levine, having three really poor defenders like that in the starting lineup, I think is a bridge too far. You'd basically need all NBA defenders at the other two spots, and the Bulls don't have that type of guy. And one of those all NBA defenders also should be an offensive creator, uh, ideally. So that just sort of shows you this team-building pinch the Bulls are in right now. Uh, So I don't think Kobe White's future for the Bulls is as a starter. I do think that he has shown a pathway towards being an effective NBA player over the last few games. And that pathway is take all of the damn threes, man. Uh, Kobe White has attempted double-digit threes each of his last two games. Uh, He goes 5 of 11 against Detroit. He goes 7 of 12 against Boston. Uh, If you go to the Sixers game, he was 5 of 10. And if you go to the Charlotte game, he was 3 of 8. So those are just the last four games in general. So Kobe's best strength is that he can get off shots very quickly at a high volume. 
Uh, ideally, these type of players work best as floor spacers, and to really be impactful, they have to be able to defend. And Kobe doesn't defend, so that's what is really going to handicap him in all of the future lineup projections, especially when your two pillars are Vucevic and Levine. Uh, but in terms of just as what Kobe is, is a 6'5 gunner, uh, I think that, you know, they came into this year and they wanted to see if Kobe was going to be the point guard of the future. I think Donovan and Karnaschovas, uh, you know, approached this season very much with an open mind and they didn't have any real preconceived notions of the roster. Uh, we can believe that based off the fact that they didn't make any changes to it over the offseason. So they come into this year, and they're like, let's see what we have in Kobe White. We know we need a point guard. Kobe White, in the second area, was the number seven overall pick. Let's just throw him out there. We're going to start Patrick Williams, too. We're going to see what we have. Well, the one nice thing about this season, Jason, is that I feel like each of the last, like, basically five years or more of the Bulls, post-2015 team, has been a season of evaluation. (laughs) But at the end of the year, John Paxson and Gar Foreman always got up there, and they said, well, we still don't really know what we have. So this year, I think you can finally say you know what you have. Kobe White, he's not going to be your starting point guard moving forward. There's no way, in my opinion, Kobe White's going to be the starting point guard for the team next year. But I do think he can be effective as a guy who gets up 10 threes a game yep. and hopefully can make a more significant percentage than he's making this year. So he's at 35.9% right now. But also keep in mind that Kobe's a 90.6% three-point shooter. Free throw shooter, I'm sorry. So he's one of the best free throw shooters in the NBA. Uh, I can't remember the last time he's missed one. Yeah, if you look at his stats broken down by, like, how many dribbles he takes before he shoots a three, he's pretty good off no dribbles, off the straight spot up catch and shoot. Uh, It's when he dribbles that he gets into trouble as a shooter, and then even more so when he's trying to solve a problem as a lead ball handler, he just gets totally overwhelmed, and he's, like, so far away from being any sort of point guard in the traditional sense. So uh, I don't think he's going to be the starter for next season. I could see a way maybe where the Bulls go all in on two, three, and D guys. Let's say, just to throw out some names, like a Danny Green and maybe like a Pascal Siakam. And you get those two guys, and then you have Kobe, and maybe Kobe can just take 10 threes a game. He can make four of them, and he can perhaps be in a starting role. Uh, But ultimately, I think that it's very possible Kobe gets flipped. I would say it's 50-50 on whether or not he's going to be back next season. Uh, I have no inside information. I'm just saying that Karnaschovas aggressively reshaped the roster at the trade deadline. And Kobe is arguably the best trade chip he has left next to Patrick Williams. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kobe gets moved, but if he does come back, I don't think he'll be the point guard. And I do think he's just got to lean into being a gunner. I love the volume, improve the accuracy a little more, and maybe they could have something. Yeah. I feel like his point guard play has gotten a little better lately, or whatever, playmaking in terms of just like not turning it over like just stupidly again I wouldn't say the competition has been the strongest and he had it has helped have Zach and Vooch back so that has been just really good um so yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd go 50-50 I, I guess I have said that I mean Kobe sh- should not be totally safe even if he does finish the season strong like uh you don't want to give up on a guy but like you can trade him for something that makes a bit more sense with these guys sure why not uh I guess kind of, kind of playing into this question we obviously did get questions about like what Moves to the Bulls make. I mean, we got like Tim, Tim JK seventy six. Uh, like, who is the second option for point guard if Lonzo Ball doesn't come? Um, 
We have from at Raffo Show, how much roster turnover should we expect in the offseason? You were just kind of talking about who's going to stay. Will they clean house? Uh, from Stark at Starkastic8, who should the Bulls target this summer? They have a realistic shot at getting. Where would you rank them? Um, so I guess just like looking at that, those kind of questions. Like, I mean, we've talked about Lonzo a ton. We've talked. I, I feel like I've seen Dennis Schroeder's name out there in r- rumors this weekend. Like, I mean, I guess he'd be okay. Like, I don't know what to think about him either. Uh, I know we've talked about Spencer Dinwiddie as an option. Like, I don't think they'll be getting like Kyle Lowry or anything like that. Uh, I think like uh, like Chris Paul could be a free agent, but like I don't think that's gonna happen. Like those huge names. Like I guess that's the thing. Like I don't I don't really think the Bulls should be we should be setting our expectations high. I mean maybe the Bulls come out of somewhere and like make a huge move for Kyle Lowry or Chris Paul somehow opts out of his 44 million in hits free agency and leaves a 50 win team. Um, I like I don't really see any of that happening, but like. Again, so yeah, so like Chris Paul, like Lowry, Mike Conley, if he like leaves Utah, like I, I don't think I would see that. So it is really just like the Lonzo, the Schroeders, the uh, possibly Spencer Dinwiddie, who has been like teasing a possible comeback this season. I don't know. Uh, maybe the Bulls will bring D Rose back. He's been uh, really good with the Knicks lately. <laughs> uh, I mean, he really has been really good. He just roasted the Clippers over the weekend. So like that that was crazy. Uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, we've obviously talked about the point guard thing and who they should target for a while. Like, I mean, Lonzo seems like the most realistic option. I mean, maybe even Dinwiddie is pretty decently realistic as well. I'd have to look at other options. I mean, I think we've talked about, like, trading for Rubio or something like that. Um, What do you you think there? So here's the interesting question. Do they have enough playmaking with Vooch and Levine that they don't really need a table setter? anymore. Now, maybe they just need all of the 3 and D guys yeah. around them. So I think that's kind of interesting because Vooch, you know that when you have him, you got to give him the ball. He's been a super high usage rate guy uh, all year in Orlando and in Chicago. They're going to give him a ton of looks in the post and in the high post, and he's a very willing passer. I would say he might not be quite as good as Thad Young, but he sort of functions similarly to the way Thad Young has played throughout the year, is just sort of being that release valve in the pick and roll. And also he has the added uh, bonus of you need to close out on him from his three-point shot. He's a better shooter than Thad. And I'd say he's still a better post scorer without yeah. having the numbers in front of me. I think he's still a more reliable post scorer for sure. So uh, Vooch is awesome. You're going to have to give him the ball a lot. So I'm wondering, like, do you really need a pure point guard playmaker? And is it better to just surround Levine and Vucevic with all of the 3 and D guys? And I think it's pretty apparent that the Bulls' plan in this is to try to get a third star, right? Like, would you agree with that? Like, once you get Vucevic and you trade two draft picks, you're probably going in on a third star. Ideally, you want that third star to be, like, young enough to still have some upside, Lonzo would check that box just because, you know, he hasn't been an all-star yet, uh, but he is going to get at least an $80 million altogether contract, probably more than that, probably significantly more than that. And he's still got some room to grow, so that's why that one's good. I was going to bring up Lowry, and you immediately poo-pooed that idea, so now I'm wondering uh, if, you know, maybe that's... I mean, I'd be fine with it. I guess I'd, I'd be surprised if he came here, I guess. Two years, $44 million for Lowry. Do you like that or no? How much? Say that again. Forty-four million. Two years. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it'd probably be like a player option type deal, right? Yeah, one plus one. Or... Yeah. 
Sure. Uh, Why not? You know, that's an idea. And then if you're looking at some wings, some guys I was thinking of, how about Tim Hardaway Jr.? He's quietly had a very good season for the Dallas Mavericks this year. He makes over $18 million a year. Uh, Is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to get a raise next year? I wouldn't Uh, think so. I wouldn't think so. But he's been he's been pretty good. I bet he still is going to get a, a nice contract offer. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, he's averaging like 16 a game. I think he's been shooting pretty well. So yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. could be interesting. Uh, Will Barton, pretty good defensive player, hitting 38% of his threes. He's kind of like the swing guy in the Nuggets playoff run, too, to be honest, because they need – uh, someone to replace some of the production they lost yeah. for Jamal Murray. So if you're watching the Nuggets in the playoffs this year, check out Will Barton. He's a free agent. Michael Porter Jr. has been pretty great for them. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. has been awesome. Yeah, yeah, too bad the Bulls couldn't have had him, right? Like, he yeah. looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, you know, definitely not someone who's going to create offense with the ball in his hands. Like, he's pretty much a straight catch-and-shoot guy. I saw Tom Ziller compare him to taller Clay Thompson today, and I thought that that was a pretty good comparison for him, just in terms of his how his general skill set is applied to the yeah. game. Like, he's not someone who's going to run a pick-and-roll or in isolation. He's he's a phenomenal catch-and-shoot guy and a movement shooter, and I think that's interesting. How about another guy? I was looking at free agent rankings. This guy was dead last in the free agent rankings, but... I guarantee he's played himself higher than that right now. Reggie Bullock, who's been playing a big oh. role for Tibbs in the Knicks, very good defensive player. Solid shooter. Volume shooter, movement shooter. So what do you think about this idea, Jason? Just give me, like, three 3-and-D three guys. And I guess, like, Pat's probably penciled into the starting lineup, too, unless they trade him for, you know, peanut throughout the Siakam trade idea, which I think is really interesting. Uh but, yeah, both need some 3 and D guys. We did have – Pat is a 3 and D guy. Patrick Williams? Yeah. Do you? I mean, I just don't know if the volume will be there. Maybe if he gets the volume up. But He's too tentative as a shooter, and I think he's more interesting with the – I know we got some Pat questions too, so I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, I think he's more interesting with the ball in his hands, and it's strictly as an off-ball player. So that's another thing to factor into the team-building equation this offseason. So we did have somebody suggest in our mentions here, Kelly Oubre Jr., Carmax uh, ad man, Kelly Oubre Jr., who's uh, – he's, he's a bit of a wild man with the words. Like, I know, like, I mean, he's decent. He's, he started the year so bad, obviously, and, like, all the jokes were going off because he was bad. He's he's had a pretty solid season. Like, he's okay. I think he's 25. Uh, I'm really curious what kind of deal he can get. Like, I wouldn't hate going after him. Like, I, I wouldn't say he's, like, the smartest player. Uh, he can be kind of trigger-happy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, he's a young option. He has ideal measurements for a wing. Right. He's like, yeah. If you're just like look, trying to create a wing in a lab, like 7-1 wingspan, I think, yeah. for Kelly Uber Jr. is 7-2. Uh, he's got some shooting ability. But, yeah, just sort of a low-field player. But, really, you know, the Bulls could use someone like Jay Crowder. Like, when Jay Crowder got to the Heat last year, he was, he was awesome for them yeah. in the bubble. Why? It's because he didn't hesitate. Get the ball, fire it. Like, Jay Crowder basically has Kobe's skill set. Uh, now, Kobe's got a little more off the dribble game, obviously, yeah. and Kobe has, you know, if you look at his assist numbers, he's improved this year. So, not a straight comparison, of course, but uh, just in I mean, terms, in terms of, of getting shots up. <laughs> yeah, just in terms of ability to get shots up, uh, Jay Crowder could do that, but then he also brings it on the defensive end. So, yeah. I think that's sort of what the Bulls need. I would crank up the threes next year if I'm the Bulls. Uh, with the Zach Vooch pick and roll and uh, just try to fucking defend as best you can because this year they really 
didn't have that good of, they didn't really have a chance to have a good defensive team because they didn't have the personnel. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at some of these other questions, I guess the roster turnover question, this kind of plays into it as well. From Here's another one from TD Mollusk. Assuming these like things happen, which will hurt more, losing the first-round pick, cutting Thad and Sato for cap space instead of trading them this season. We have from Matt, at, uh, Matt Philbin at NFL Draft Blog. Where do the Bulls go from here? What are realistic expectations for next season, how they get there? So, again, this kind of all just goes into, like, what kind of roster turnover there is. And we have kind of talked about how we just think they probably will try to just, like, make – Moves again, like I think we both think Lowry's gone, Kobe possibly gone. Like I would love to keep Thad if possible, but if not, like if you need to make a move, like cutting him would obviously be brutal after not trading him for. You probably could have gotten a first round pick for Thad Young at the trade deadline. Like Sato, Sato's been. I, I feel like Sato's been. Like you look at his like shooting numbers and they're I think really solid this year. Just like he's been, and he's like a nice guy to have off the bench, but. Uh, there's too many times where he's also too tentative. So, like, it would not surprise me if there is, like, a good amount more roster turnover here. And, I mean, AK said after the trade deadline that he's not done, that there's more moves to make, and uh, that they will probably do some more, do, make some more moves. So, like, I'm expecting uh, a few, at least a few notable moves. And we've talked about the point guard stuff. We talked about getting 3 and D wings. I think they, they realized that, like, their best 3 and D wing like can't be Garrett Temple or I guess I mean I can't call Troy Brown a 3 and D wing because he can't really shoot so like they clearly need upgrades in that area so like whether it's point guard whether it's wings they're probably fine in the front court they do have to get, add some more versatility to the roster around Zach and Vooch. Yeah, I'm like where should I pick up with that question? There was a lot of different parts of multiple questions there. Yeah. Uh I'm, I'm trying to see what, you know, where we could pick up but if you want to answer, just the, let's answer let's answer the question that says what would hurt more, losing the pick or cutting Thad and Saturday. Sure. So yeah, that that's a good one. Um, yeah, I get the question because like you're not you're probably not going to be able to find a player better than Thad Young in that salary spot. You might not be able to find a player better than Sato in his salary spot. But what's he making? Ten million a year, eleven million a year. Yeah. So hopefully you can upgrade. Like I've always liked Sato's game. Uh. The Bulls just need a better option there, though. Like, Sato's a guy who is better theoretical than he is on the floor. I could talk myself into Sato all day, but he just hasn't really made a big impact. I think Fad has made a huge impact. Oh, he's been incredible this year. And I've been singing his praises all season. But, uh, you know, 
I kind of like Thad is the backup center yep. next year, potentially. You let go of Tice. You try to get some wings. Uh, it's going to be tough because the Bulls don't really have a ton of salary cap space to work with, in part because they had to take goddamn Aminu and his $10 million <laughs> in the Vooch trade, which sucked. Like, it's too bad that the picks bad. alone weren't enough to get Vooch. You also had to take on a bad contract, which... It'd, it'd be nice if it was, like, Blazers Aminu when he was, like, pretty solid. Like, he'd be a really solid 3 and D wing off the bench. Like, not a starter, but he looks wild. Like, he can't move. He looks totally he looks washed. Slow. Like, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks totally washed. If he hasn't been playing down the stretch for this Bulls team, uh, he's got nothing left in the tank because the Bulls have needed someone who could play the way he has been playing, the way he was capable of playing in his prime. They've needed that type of guy badly down the stretch here, and uh, he has barely gotten any chance at minutes. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be tough for them, but what stings more, I think the draft picks always sting more because there's an opportunity cost, right? Like, even if the you still get a 2023 draft pick, yeah, you could flip that in a package. Like, now I'm trading Patrick Williams in a 2023 first-rounder for Pascal Siakam. I still don't know if that would get you Siakam. It probably wouldn't. Uh, but at least then you have a little bit more juice in your offer. And now you're looking at it like, well, what do we even have to trade? Like, we'll trade Kobe, who I think most people probably aren't super high on. Who, who knows where the league stands on Kobe? But uh, I don't think that he's, like, an awesome trade chip. They certainly couldn't get the seventh pick back for him two years into his career. Yeah, probably not. So, uh yeah, man, it's uh, it's tough, but I think losing the draft picks is the more uh, limiting factor just because I would want to trade him for another star since that's kind of yeah. the spot the Bulls are in right now. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, we'll look at the rest of these other questions, uh, part of these questions. I guess expectations for next Let's. I can match this question, this end of this other question that I brought up. What are realistic expectations for next season, how they get there, with this one from Tom can Zach and Vooch be a legit one-two duo? So I guess just like after whatever moves they make, we've talked about possible moves they make. Going into next season, they say they make a decent like, – I don't – not even no, – let's, let's say they don't get a third star, but they they bring in some like decent guys. Maybe they bring in Lonzo or they bring in some 3&D guys. Uh, just like with Zach and Vooch being like the – if they're the one-two guys there, what would be your expectations for next season? Like, first of all, I guess can Zach and Vooch be a legit one-two duo? Absolutely yes, absolutely no, still TBD. Like, I think they could be a very good one. Like – I don't know about, like, like championship one-two duo, but, like, they can be good. Like, as you said, like, we're probably assuming that the idea is here to get third star in here, but, like, as those two, like, if it's just those two and then whatever other nice moves they make, like, if that's going into next season, like, I would still probably expect uh, top, definitely playoffs, maybe, and if things come together, maybe you get top five. Like, I mean, you're going to have the Nets. The Sixers aren't going anywhere. The Bucks aren't going anywhere. Uh, the Celtics still have Tatum and Brown. The Celtics still have Tatum and Brown. The Heat still have Jimmy Butler, and Bam. And, like, these other teams will be looking to make moves, too. So, like, but, yeah, I mean, you never you never know. I mean, no one thought the Raptors were going to be a disaster this year, although obviously a very unique situation with the COVID and playing in Tampa. Uh, the Pacers have been way worse than expected. Like, the Wizards will be – like, it, it, you talk yourself into a lot of these teams. You look at the roster and be like, oh, yeah, like, these guys should be good. But with injuries, with other circumstances, like, who knows, but, like, I think I would go into next season, assuming they made some decent moves, expecting to at least be – to definitely make the playoffs and at least win, I guess if it's an 82-game season, win at least 45 games. Is that too much? 
Well, dude, all I'm going to say is that we need to see the rest of the team. Like, <laughs> I don't want to put expectations on the team now until I see what they do. Uh, I think they're going to be aggressive. And I think if there's a way they can get a third star, Lowry, Malcolm Brogdon maybe. I know I've mentioned him on this podcast yeah. a bunch, but, like, the Pacers are headed in the wrong direction right now. Like, I don't really know what the long-term plan for the Pacers is. Yeah. At least the Bulls have a direction. At least the Bulls are like, all right, we're going for it. Other teams that want to tear down your shit now, like Orlando, we'll just take your best player. Yeah. And we'll try to actually build a good team with it, with Zach Levine, but... I don't know. I don't want to put expectations on it, but I do want to say top eight in the conference, just with Zach and Vooch healthy. And I really do believe that Karnaschovas is going to be aggressive. He's going to try to flip half the roster again, since that's what we basically did at the trade deadline. Uh, we'll just see how successful he is. Like, now that I think about it, remember when he gave that press conference before the trade deadline? He's like, there's going to be a lot of desperate teams. I think the Louisville one. Yeah. Dude, the Bulls were the desperate team. Yep. They were so desperate to not be so shitty. And, you know, when you trade in two first-round picks like that, like that's just a sign of it. So I think it was a good move, and desperation can for sure work out for you because Lord knows that the Garpax draft picks were not going to suddenly gel into some magic beans that were going to save the Bulls. So they had to they had to make an aggressive move, but... Yeah, I don't want to put I don't want to put expectations on it. Besides, for top eight in the East, like that is not very high bar to clear. No, so let's just start there and see what they can do with their roster. Yeah, uh, here's some at Hefemite. What the fuck does Devin Devon Dotson need to do to get some minutes? We've actually we've obviously talked about Devon Dotson a lot. He's not getting minutes at this point. The Bulls are trying to maybe he'll get them if the Bulls are eliminated from the playoffs. That would probably be when he actually. Gets minutes if the Bulls get eliminated this week and they have a few like this weekend back to back against the Nets and Bucks. Maybe then we'll see Devon Dotson get some minutes. Uh, let's finish up here with these couple questions about Patrick Williams. Uh, and there's also a little a Lowry connection here with one. First one from our guy at Winky Christ. Patrick Williams is 62nd overall among all rookies in the usage rate at 14.4. Is it of your opinions that this is more attributed to coaching or just the way Patrick views himself as a rookie and not trying to make mistakes out there? The hope is he has a Lou Dort-type jump next year in that department. Um, yeah, so Lou Dort went from a 14% usage rate to a 21% usage rate. So, Winky, that's our boy. Very good comparison there with Lou Dort. I think that 20 is the minimum of where Patrick Williams needs to be at next year with usage rate. And usage rate is the big number to watch with Patrick Williams. Uh, like he said, he's outside of the top 60 for rookies in usage rate. He's got to at least get to 20% next year. And the question is, is it Pat's mindset or is it coaching? Probably both. I'm going to say it's a little bit of both. I think that Donovan has mostly used him as a spot-up shooter. If you go on Synergy, spot-ups are Patrick Williams' most used play type, and it's at 41.1% of his plays this year have been spot-up opportunities. Then 14% in transitions, 11% on cuts, and 10% as a pick-and-roll ball handler. So he's only performing in the 28th percentile in terms of scoring efficiency as a pick-and-roll ball handler. But, man, that's really what I would like to see. And let me see him as a role man, too. Like, just give me it all. <laughs> yeah, let's let him see it all. Dude, he's, he's huge. He's absolutely huge. I think he has a good feel for the game when he has the ball in his hands. I think he can read the floor pretty well. Uh, where he struggles is he's not really good at just, like, getting his own offense outside of pulling up from mid-range. That's kind of the only thing he can do. 
and Donovan has been telling him not to shoot mid-range, apparently. Donovan said that in a couple press conferences, and Pat's a pretty good mid-range shooter, so I don't really agree with that, but when you uh, when you watch the games, like, there are – there's a difference between, like, good mid-range attempts and bad mid-range attempts, of course, and he does have some bad ones, I think, uh, but he's just got to learn how to – get all the way to the basket as a ball handler when he does have the ball. And I would love to see him getting some role man opportunities too, which he's been barely used at at all this entire year. 1.4% of his possessions have been as a role man. Why not? Let, let's see him do that too. Let's see him pick and pop. Let's see him pick and dive. Uh, and really like the best way to set him up for success and everyone else for success is just to get some more spacing on the floor, get some more shooters, and get some more defensive players. So that's kind of where I'm at with Pat right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of the usage thing could also, depending on what kind of moves they make, like maybe it won't go up that high to like 20. It should definitely be higher. Because there's obviously just too many times where he's floating around not doing anything. And uh, I know Stacey King is always imploring him to be more aggressive, be more aggressive, like literally every game. Uh, but, I mean, it is true. He could stand to be more aggressive. And I think some of that probably is just the mindset. I mean, at Florida State, he was like the sixth man. He wasn't a high-usage guy there. Uh, he just and he just got to get more used to it as a young player. Uh, with with when you when you're playing with Zach and Vooch and these guys and Kobe and these guys who have the ball and they're used to having the ball, you understand like not wanting to like it takes time to like just get that mindset where you got to you got to take over it sometimes and really just go find your your own shots and not and always. They, you got to run plays for him as a ball handler, yeah. as a role man too. Like Donovan has mostly told him to space the floor the whole year, and when you're not a confident shooter, he's passed up so many wide-open threes this year. Even though he's shooting a pretty good percentage, yep. I don't have the numbers in front of me. 38, 39, yeah, right? I was going to say it's like yeah. 38% from three. It would have been my guess. So uh, I keep saying this, though, dude. I don't think that he's going to turn into a great player strictly being used off the ball. I think you're going to have to put him in the two-man game. I would like to see him as a ball handler, but let's also see him as a role man, too. Like, he is so young. He is a ball of clay. I think – his career still has so many potential avenues from where it could be successful. But if you're just sitting him in the corner the whole time and you just want him to, like, shoot threes, I just I just don't really think that that's the best way to use him. But to Winky's point, uh, it is possible for a rookie to make a big jump in usage. Uh, Jalen Brown had 18% usage his rookie year. Jalen Brown, out, like, out, out for the season, just announced. Woof. What? I didn't see that. Did that just break? Literally, literally just broke right now. Celtics announced torn ligament in his wrist. He is done for the season. Oh, and my Celtics God. Are Jalen Brown's had such a good year. That's yeah. just terrible for the Celtics. Yeah, they're done. Was that for the collision with him and Tatum? Uh, I, don't, I thought that was an ankle thing. I feel like this was something different. Yeah. I can't, I'm not totally sure, but that's bad. That's brutal. They're done. Yeah, they're toast. Yikes. He's yeah. Unfortunate. Very yep. unfortunate. Because uh, we love Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's a man. Yeah, as much but as we like is, to shit on the Celtics, like Tatum and Brown are, are legitimately really awesome. So that is that is a, definitely a bummer. But here, here's my point as it pertains to Pat. Yeah. Jalen Brown went from 18% usage rate to, you know, four or five years later, 29% usage rate. So the other guy I looked up was Michael Bridges. And Michael Bridges still is below 15% usage rate. Wow. That's because Bridges is a straight floor spacer. Yeah. Right? Like, he's a straight catch-and-shoot guy. And, yeah, I just don't know if that's – I think Pat could be a little bit more dynamic than that, offensively, quite frankly. So, uh, Bridges is awesome. Bridges is a way better perimeter defender than Pat is. 
ideal player next to CP3 and Devin Booker. Next to CP3 and Booker, for sure. Like He's just a floor spacer, 3 and D guy, but really good 3 and D guys are valuable, yeah. even if you can't create offense off the bounce. So uh, in terms of Pat, let's get a little more creative with his usage. I'm putting him mostly on Donovan. Uh, and, you know, Pat, if you go to his Twitter profile, I think his pinned tweet is, like, him working with this dude whose name is escaping me. But he goes by, like, the big guard trainer. <laughs> and I'm excited to see what Pat can do after another summer working with that dude. Uh, he worked with him ahead of the draft. I think his name is, like, Olin or something like that. So uh, let's see what Pat can do with another offseason. And certainly, like, dude, I think the best way to get better is just to play a lot. The Olin Sim, Simplest, Simplest, Olin Simplest. I butcher every name. So <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, yeah, we can do another offseason. Yeah. Um, last question here also pertains to Pat. From our guy, C Red Fred, at CBE Fred. Uh, you all love him, I'm sure. Who did you feel better about at the conclusion of their rookie season, Patrick Williams or Lowry Marketing? Which is nice. Yeah, such a good question. question. Yeah. Such a good question. And as soon as I read it, I'm like, damn you, Fred. Like, don't make me say Lowry. To I, 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 was, I, I loved Lowry after his rookie season. I, I was looking forward to him being a cornerstone. I had really high hopes for him. It's Lowry. I mean, I, like, I, I feel like he's, like, you can see, again, the potential with Pat. And, like, he's been, like, for a rookie, he's been pretty solid. But, I mean, he's still been, I mean, overall bad. I mean, there's still obviously a lot of room to grow. We just talked about it. I think Lowry, like, had a really – really good rookie season. And, like, we thought that, like, he was going to use that as a jumping point to be a great player, one of the Bulls, like, in cornerstones. Uh, and then obviously that did not turn out correct. But I think the answer's got to be Lowry. Speaking of Lowry, just in general, he played 23 minutes, I think, took two shots uh, against the Pistons. Uh, it, it was bad, the game. I mean, he's, he's done. I mean, there's no way you, could, you, you can't you can't pay him. You, he's just so easily replaceable at this point. Like, I know his numbers – his shooting numbers are still, like, okay. I think he's at, like, 47% overall, like, 38% from three. But, like, I mean, even, like, the volume is going down. He's just, like, he's just easily replaceable. You can't give, you can't pay him a lot of money. It's really unfortunate, like, how this has gone with him. But uh, especially after after his rookie season, we had such high hopes for him. So who who do you got? Patrick Williams or Lowry Martin after the rookie year? I got Lowry. But the key point with Lowry isn't that he was always destined to fail. It's that he never got any better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, my honest answer, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think Patrick Williams is definitely going to be an all-star after watching every game of his rookie year. I did feel like Martin was probably going to be an all-star, even if that is somewhat of an empty designation, let's say. But, uh, yeah, you you framed it as you thought Martin would be a cornerstone. I think I literally wrote a bloggable post that said, Bobby Markkinen is the Bulls' cornerstone. I I believe his rookie season, I drunkenly did. Yeah, I hated him as a pick. When they made that pick... People still come at me. Right after the Jimmy trade, obviously. Twitter, yeah. I hated the pick, and I said I wanted Malik Monk or Dennis Smith. Well, Dennis Smith would have been a worse pick. Monk, it might still be up He's okay. Air. He's all right. He's somewhat okay. Would have I mean, been Donovan Mitchell was probably the better option. The there, I guess. Absolutely. And I love or Bam. Or I think they could have taken – I think Bam and Mitchell were both Bam and Mitchell like were right, after, right after Smith. And I think Frank Nielakina might have been right after Lowry. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean that. I think it was his rookie season. I drunkenly tweeted that Lowry was better than Tatum. Whoops, I think I got that one a little bit wrong. Big yikes on that one. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a bummer what what's happened with Lowry. I have a Lowry jersey. 
I was I was excited for him when he as when he came in and he looked pretty good to start his career. Just, like you said, literally just hasn't gotten better. Uh, I guess the percentages have been better this season, but the overall impact just has not. I mean, the Bulls have been fucking playing at small forward. Like, what are we even doing here at this point? Like, he's taken two shots. He had a game with zero points the other day. Just like, where did it all go wrong, Lowry? It's so unfortunate. But, yeah, he, I mean, he's probably gone, as we've talked about on this pod a lot. Just like, for the Bulls to become a really good team, like, you can't be paying him a lot of money. You need to get other – you need to get more versatile players than they're on Zach and Vooch. So, so yeah. Get him out of here, Jason. Yeah. Get him out. He's got to go. All right. I think, I think that's, we basically touched on everybody. Uh, yeah, that's all the ones that I've seen. So, uh, we've been grambling here for long enough. So, we'll wrap it up here. So, again, looking ahead here, the Bulls play the Nets at home. I guess the Bulls do have – remember, they have fans back in the stadium now as well. So, they, they welcome back fans to the UC with that Celtics win. You want to go, bro? Should that we have was, a meetup? That was nice. Uh, so, they got the Bulls – I think – so, tomorrow night's game against, against the Nets is at home. Uh, then they got Thursday. They got the Raptors. Uh, the Raptors, again, are tanking. So, the Bulls, I guess, should win that game. And then they finish the year at Brooklyn, back home against the Bucks on Sunday to wrap it up. Uh, it's obviously going to be tough. We'll see who these – teams are playing uh, among their star players. Uh, it'll be very interesting. The Bulls, they've been playing well the last couple nights. Maybe it is mostly just because they've been playing teams playing like crap, but uh, hopefully they can make things interesting against the next Nets on Tuesday. Uh, I think, I know you're not going to be around tomorrow night, but I think I'm going to try to possibly do a locker room after this game. Uh, win or lose, again, it, it, it could be basically the Bulls keep themselves alive or the Bulls season is basically over. That could basically be the pot, the pot tomorrow night. Uh, not totally sure that's going to happen, but I think uh, I will try to do that, even though Ricky won't be with, won't be with us. I'll try, maybe I'll try to get one of the other guys we usually have on to talk with me as well, so it's not just me rambling about God knows what. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we'll see how it goes for the rest of the week. So that'll wrap it up here. Wrap it up for us here at Cash Considerations. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Please go uh, rate and review us. Give us five star ratings. So let us know how we're doing. Uh, you know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. And as always, all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network. And you can find us at we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those good places. So for us at Cash Considerations. Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time, and we'll see if the Bulls can uh, make it interesting against the Nets because it could be a really fun game if they do. Take it easy, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.